forget to post another episode of my podcast no i didn't forget that this podcast still exists (laughs) but here i am um doing another episode by myself um and that's fine it's um let's see what time is it oh it just turned midnight so it's technically uh thursday august 1st 2019 i mean listen time marches on folks and uh time is circular in some ways and this is going to tie into something i'm going to talk about later on but um it's august 1st there's a new moon in leo uh my back is killing me if if you read the title of the podcast you already know that (laughs) because i was really proud of the title. I chose the title before I even started recording. I knew it had to be that title. So um, my back is killing me. There's a new moon in Leo. Uh, close personal friend Lisa Chenu just informed me that Leo rules the back. And boy, oh boy, my back is not feeling great. Um, but, you know, it's fine. We're at the end of Mercury retrograde, uh, the last day of Mercury retrograde, July 31st, 2019, I decide to lock my keys in my car, (laughs) which I haven't done in like, I don't even know the last time I locked my keys in my car. I don't think I've ever locked my keys in this car and I've had it for like seven years. You know, I've never done it, but I did it. I called a man to get the keys out of the car, reasonably priced $65 for him to uh, drive from downtown Los Angeles to my office to get the keys out of my car. And he did a very quick job. It took him maybe like six or seven minutes. And he said that was slow. And honestly, to me, I thought it was very quick. I was very impressed. And I should plug his uh, business on the podcast. So hold on. Let me just Google. We're doing this in real time, folks, because I don't have an assistant. I am alone in my luxurious uh, studio apartment. And sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Okay, so I'm Googling the phrase Los Angeles Locked keys in car. Okay, here it is. Um, so it's called LA Auto Unlock. And uh, yeah, this is it. 
and you could text this guy. His number is, it doesn't matter, it's public, right? So I can say it. It's 424-234-9841, and his name is Wade. And he was very uh, nice and personable. He saw my copy of Kitchen Confidential that was in the backseat of my car. He asked if I had read Kitchen Confidential. I told him, yes, I did. I read it to uh, go on a podcast where I talked about Kitchen Confidential. If you don't know what that is... It's Anthony Bourdain's first full-length book, the book that he wrote after getting a book deal, after writing a short article in, uh, God, was it the New Yorker or the New York Times? It's one of those two. Um, But he got a book deal, like, literally the next day, (laughs) which used to happen, folks. Now, do people read books? I mean, they do, but only if they're about, like, vampire sex, so... Those are the types of books you need to write if you want to sell books these days. It has to be about, you know, fucking zombies, vampires, or werewolves. And like I mean, like, literally fucking. It's, you know, fantasy erotica. That's Those are books that sell. Look it up. Um, yeah, so thank you, Wade, for getting my keys out of my car. On the last day of Mercury Retrograde. And I think that was a very fitting end to Mercury Retrograde. <laughs> and it was an interesting one for me. And folks, listen, if you don't believe in any of this stuff... Well, as, you know, let me just clarify. To me, Mercury Retrograde and all things astrological, to me, it's not really a belief. It's more of a system of framing and symbols to sort of interpret events in the world you know it's not really like a belief system you know i'm not like i don't even know like i don't even want to say this word i'm not a scientologist uh (laughs) are they gonna get me um yeah it's nothing like that you know this is like this is really based on you know ancient studies of patterns of stars and planets So do with that what you will. But anyway, Mercury Retrograde is all about things from the past coming to the surface. You know, it's all about uh, the possibility for error. You know, like there's usually like the potential for, you know, losing important computer files or like your computer could, you know, stop functioning and things of that nature. Um, But what happened for me in this retrograde is I had a few... uh, a few callbacks to the past, you know, um, I think it's safe to say that I'm seeing someone who I dated years ago. <laughs> I I think I'm dating the same person for the second time. And I, I'm sure some of the listeners have done this. I, I think this is a pretty fairly common thing that happens. But um, this is new to me. I've never dated the same person twice. And let me just say, I think I'm okay with it. Um, We'll see what happens. I don't know. I really like this person. Um, But, you know, whatever. I mean, I just, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Life is so unpredictable. I, like, I literally thought in a million years I would never hear from this person ever again. (laughs) But here they are. Um, It's very interesting. So, anywho. Um... So that's happening. That's like sort of like circling back to the past, you know. Um, Also, another thing happened where, okay, even though I am like seeing someone, I'm still on hinge. (laughs) 
It's so sad. Hinge is like the worst dating app in the world. I'm just on it now to screenshot people's profiles because people on it are so pathetic. But um, a guy who I matched with on Bumble probably in in 2013, not even making this up. Um, So I matched with this guy on Bumble in 2013 and I made the mistake of giving him my phone number. Ladies, don't give out your phone number. Just use the app to text these people until you meet them. And I I should just preface this by saying I've I've still never met anybody off of a dating app. Never, ever, ever. It never gets to the point where I meet anyone. It's usually just these conversations that go nowhere. Or like the only time I ever did get close to meeting someone in person, the guy seemed like really like creepy and pushy and rapey. Oh, that also ties in to Mercury Retrograde. God damn it. I have so much to say now. Um, <laughs> So long story short, there was a guy who I matched with on Bumble in probably like 2013, 2014. Um, right around when I first moved to Los Angeles. And my, my anniversary of being in Los Angeles will be happening on August 15th. So August 15th, 2019 will mark six years in Los Angeles, California. Um, so this guy, I gave him my number and he would, um, he texted me like a few times and then he like got weird and he wanted me to send him like full body pictures. And I don't know. It was just like weird, you know, I, and I was like, I don't know you. I don't need to like be sending you, pictures you know and I just like kind of like stopped texting him and then this is when he got really weird so he would start calling me like in the middle of the night and one time he left me like a weird voicemail where like I don't know if it it, it was just like the sound of the wind in the background or it was like him like breathing really heavily I don't remember it was horrible but um he would call me probably like uh once once a month in the middle of the night for almost two years. I'm not even making this up. This is true. And uh, wait, is this before you could block a number on an iPhone? But anywho, I didn't block the number. <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Why didn't you block the number? First of all, I don't like blocking numbers because it's kind of funny to see someone go kind of crazy, like texting you if, you know, there's like... um the end of like a conversation or relationship or whatever and someone's just going wild texting you it's kind of fun to not block them um that's just my personal preference also like you know if you block a number then you're not going to have like a full record of what someone's sending you and people could be sending you like crazy texts so i don't know anywho um So that guy who used to stalk me by calling me on the phone in the middle of the night, he liked me on Hinge two days ago. Now, (laughs) folks, I, I, I don't know if he knows if I'm the same woman. Okay. I don't know if he, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's like not all there. Like, I don't think he's playing with a full deck. Um, even if he was like, (laughs) Like, what does he think he's doing? Does he think I've changed my mind? You know, that I'm finally going to 
come around and have sex with him. I'm not. Um, so that was kind of creepy and weird thing to happen on the last day of retrograde. Not really interested. Um, and then another incident happened where this is the closest I ever got to meeting a guy off of Hinge. And I was talking to this guy and he, this is, this is one of the red flags that happened in the conversation on Hinge. He wanted, he said he wanted to go on a date with me. And then he asked me if I would go away with him for the weekend. And I was like, what? I don't even know you. Like, you're asking me to go out of town with you. I have no idea who you are. I've never met you. And you expect me to just, like, trust you, a stranger, to go out of town? Like, first of all, like, that's the first thing that, like, any sort of perpetrator tries to do. They try to isolate their victims, you know? So, like, immediately, that's, like, a huge red flag, right? Then it gets weirder, okay? So then he gives me his phone number because like the he he kept taking too long to message me back on the hinge app it was like you know i don't think it, it does not take over an hour and a half to text somebody back and and that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves i really hate when people take forever to text me back i usually text people back fucking instantly okay unless i have a problem with them if i don't text you back instantly it's because i, I don't want to because i don't like you Sorry. Um, <laughs> not always. Or I could be sleeping. Anyway. Um, so I plug the number into my phone. And I see that the number is already in my phone. And there's a text conversation in it from almost exactly one year before. Not even making this up. I believe this happened uh, almost two weeks ago. I think it was like July... July 13th or 14th. It was a Saturday. I have to yawn. Oh, fuck. I'm tired. Anyway, um, so I'm looking through the text conversation. It's from like July 13th, 2018. Not even making this up. And I, <laughs> I keep saying that. Not even making this up. Because I'm not, folks. These are real things that happen to me. And they're kind of wild. So I'm looking at the text conversation and I realized that I had matched with this guy on Bumble almost a year before. And in that conversation, uh, he was trying to pick me up from my friend's house, even though I had told him that I had been drinking. Okay, so I was drunk. And he was like, oh, let me come pick you up. And keep in mind, I've never met this person. I've never met him. I don't know who he is, don't know what the fuck he really does, you know, don't know where he lives. And he's like, oh, let me come pick you up. And in that text conversation, I'm like, what? I don't know you. <laughs> and I'm saying, you know, I've been drinking and you want to just like pick up a stranger in the middle of the night. And because it's like after midnight, this conversation is happening. I'm like, I'm sorry, but people only meet up with people after midnight to have sex and I have literally no idea who you are you know and he's like being all pushy with me in the conversation he's like well I thought it would be you know it's too late for a proper date so maybe getting a drink would be a good first date I'm like I've already 
been drinking and and i and i and i also like tell him in the text conversation that like i need to be texted early because i'm a busy person which is true like i i I am a busy person with an actual social life so like if you want to spend time with me i would suggest you know texting me much earlier in the day or a couple days before you want to see me you know um And I think the conversation ended with me saying something like, you know, it's just strange for you to want to meet up with a girl who says she's drunk after midnight. It's uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, oh, well, sorry. And then I'm like, look, I'm just trying to help you here. And uh, then I ended it with something like I wasn't being serious, but I was like, sorry if I'm being honest. And I'm not sorry if I was being honest. I was being honest and I'm not sorry. And uh, that was that conversation, right? So then I'm I'm texting with him again. I'm like, listen, you're not going to believe this, but we already matched somehow in the past. And I'm looking at our past conversation right here and I'm I'm concerned about it. And I like screenshotted the text and I sent it to him and he he goes, oh my God, like it's fate. It's fate that we're supposed to meet. And I'm like, no, this is actually a gigantic red flag. <laughs> I'm like, this is a sign we should not meet. You know, and he keeps, he gets all pushy with me. He's like, oh, why don't you meet me at El Compadre? And I'm like, I legit do not know you, you know, um, And then he's just like saying stuff like, uh, you know, because I have those texts from last year, he's saying something to the effect of, this is why I hate technology and phones. And I'm like, why? Because there's a record of you being shitty, (laughs) which is true. I have a record of him being gross. And then he's saying stuff like, oh, like, um you can trust me. I'm a really sweet guy. I mean, who describes themselves as that other than a bad guy? You know, I'm a sweet guy. No, you're not. You're a piece of shit. Um, And then he keeps trying to say like, oh, no, we have to, we have to meet blah, blah, blah. And, And then I say straight up, I'm concerned for my personal safety. And he starts acting like I'm implying that he's going to murder me. But in reality, I'm scared that he's going to rape me. I mean, that's like the way more likely scenario. And he is being kind of rapey by just like being like totally pushy and being like, oh, we have to meet. This is fate, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know you. And he's trying to like, you know, build this case for himself in a positive way. And I'm just like getting more and more turned off by this. And he just doesn't get it. Like, it feels like I'm talking to a brick wall. And then this is the kicker that he says. He says, um, because I said, you know, I'm worried about my personal safety. He goes, please don't flatter yourself. And that is the classic incel response to rejection. Um, Like, dude, sorry. Like, if you are not considerate of the fact that I'm concerned about my personal safety right now, and you say, don't flatter yourself, you are a piece of shit. Like, you're a terrible person. <laughs> so, like, and and he was, like, getting all, like, nasty and, like, gross with me. And that really just, like, proved everything I thought to be right, 
Like, he was still the same creepy person that he was a year ago. And I called it then, even though I was drunk. And I called it this year as well, when I was sober. And damn, that guy was fucking terrible. Ladies, if you want to know who this guy is, please, uh... Please uh, send me an email on rulypodcast.gmail.com or DM. I will happily share screenshots and uh, his first and last name so that you can avoid him in the future. So there's a few Mercury retrograde occurrences that took place uh, during this retrograde. Very interesting stuff. And... um, you know, my friend Lisa said there's like a two week shadow period after retrograde that she says it's worse for her. I don't really know what that means. Um, I guess it's like sort of like emerging from the retrograde um, with something like still kind of like hanging over you. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. I, I just like, I feel like I received a lot of messages from the past, you know? And then also when I went to see, I went to see Robin, which was amazing. Speaking of the past, uh, (laughs) my favorite Robin song obviously is still, uh, dancing on your own. But anywho, I went to see Robin at the forum, um, with a boy that I like with the guy I was talking about. Um, and at the concert, like literally sitting right next to me was another guy who I, uh, I first met when I lived in LA in 2013. He was in my, uh, UCB improv class. This is true. Um, so that's like interesting also just like running into people from the past. And then also I saw a girl, near the bathroom this was at the forum and she I knew I knew her from somewhere I just couldn't like uh recognize her name I I I recognized her face but I have no idea what her name is doesn't matter I she's from the comedy world in some capacity but anywho lots of blasts from the past this retrograde um yeah uh so should I should I give you an update on my comedy career? It's not going well. Um, <laughs> can I just say this? I'm I'm very underrated. I'm an underrated comedian. I have no problem saying that because I believe it's true. I think I'm very funny. I well, you know, I'm not underrated in some aspects. Like I do believe it or not, I've been recognized in public. I've been recognized in Trader Joe's. I've been recognized in movie theaters. I've been recognized on the street. Um, you know, I I was at the comedy store recently and these two young male comics who no idea who they are. They were uh, in the hallway and they saw me and they were like whispering to each other and I heard them say, she's very funny. And that's the way it should be, frankly. I am very funny. And I don't have a problem saying that uh, because it's true. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you you're either someone who uh, loves me and totally gets me or you're someone who hates me. And frankly, if you hate me, it's probably because you're jealous. (laughs) And I just want to say God bless you if you hate me, because you are what fuels this fire of me going I keep going because you hate me but uh comedy in LA is weird right now like it's definitely not what it used to be a few years ago 
Um, I don't know. Everything's like a paid open mic. And I don't want to talk shit about, you know, Bert's back room, but it's not good. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's just not as many like good open mics as there used to be. Not as many good shows. Um, it feels like comedy is really, really stagnant in a lot of ways. But um, I don't know. I persist. Like tonight I went to see um, a show at a comedy theater that will remain unnamed. But let's just say that um, they allow somebody who has been accused of sexual assault multiple times <laughs> to perform at their theater. Um, oh, did I say theater? Oops, that might have been a hint. Um, yeah, so listen, if you allow someone who has been accused of sexual assault multiple times to perform at your venue and you you remain willfully ignorant of this, like you pretend you don't know it's, it's happened, uh, you deserve bad things. But listen, you should also have people working the door who recognize open mic comedy legends. And folks, listen... I am uh, an open mic comedian uh, sometimes. (laughs) I mean, I don't really like do open mics like I used to, like I used to have to. But, you know, like when you're first starting, you're probably doing like a couple mics a night, which is what I had to do. I mean, you, you know, when you're young and you have no care in the world, you know, I didn't have a, a boyfriend or, you know, like a child or anything. I was a child, you know. I was, you know, 26 years old hitting the open mics, which sounds old, but I mean, it, it's really not. Um, yeah, most people in LA comedy know who I am. So I, I get to the <laughs> the theater and this guy is like, do you have a ticket? I'm like, well, the girl wasn't in the ticket booth when I got here. And she fucking, like, snuck in the ticket booth when I walked in the door. Anyway, she wasn't there when I walked up. He's, like, giving me a hard time. And and this is where I, I feel like I have to start, like, getting a little, like, pushy with him. I don't know why. I feel like I just have to be that person sometimes. He's like, don't you know who I am? That's all I have in this. Like, don't you know who I am? Open my comic legend slash roast battle legend um and (laughs) so then I go in I have this fucking like soda from Wendy's because my life is going badly and uh because I just cried in my car eating Wendy's comedians in cars crying while eating Wendy's and um he's like I'm sorry could you uh discard your drink the fact that he even used the word discard it's like fuck you like okay like first of all you're you have a penis and i get it like you think you're hot shit just because you have a dick you know you think you're you think you're in charge of shit because you have a penis well you're not okay literally no idea who you are you should know who i am okay and i go yeah i'll throw it out (laughs) and then i'm like i'm a comic and i say this and he like looks at me like i'm Like, I'm fucking crazy. And honestly, this was not a crazy thing to say. Okay. I basically, by me saying I'm a comic, I was saying I know the rules, you know. And I did discard my drink. 
I discarded it. So, whatever. Fuck you. I mean, if you're an improviser, you suck anyway. So, I'm sorry I didn't recognize you. They have improvisers working the door at this place. (laughs) Anywho, don't you know who I am? Bitches. Anyway, um... Yeah, I made money doing comedy in Europe last month. Please respect me. This is all I have. This is all I have. Oh, God. And and I have, I folks, tonight I was talking to uh, a young person who told me they just started stand-up comedy. And I said, here's my advice. Don't do it. <laughs> I'm like, if I could go back in time, I would not do this. I would not do this. I I told him seriously. I was like, look, find find a wife. You know, find a woman you love. Find a woman who's going to be there for you. Find find a relationship. Have a child. Get a good job. Enjoy your life. Uh, because stand-up comedy is not for people who are going to enjoy their lives. It's for masochists. If you, unless you're a masochist, get out of the fucking kitchen. You have to be really sick in the head to want to do stand-up comedy and keep doing it. I'm not even kidding. I'm so unwell. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe I'm joking. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Take take it as you will. We do have too many comedians and we need people to quit. So maybe that'll work. Um, <sighs> Sorry. You're getting the real me right now. Aren't you excited about that? I only have a couple of things left to talk about. Well, I want to talk about uh, the new Quentin Tarantino film. The ninth film from Quentin Tarantino. Once Upon a Time. Dot, dot, dot. In Hollywood. (laughs) And let me just tell you, I was hesitant about this film. I wasn't sure if it would be good. I was scared at how the ending would play out. And uh, I have to say overall, wow, this is possibly... Well, now that I think... Okay, so do they count Death Proof as one of his films? I don't think so. So if I had to rank... If I had to do a top three ranking of QT films... Number one for me, hands down, has always been Inglorious Bastards, okay? Then, I'm going to put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as number two. And uh, that knocks out the place of what used to be number two for me, Kill Bill. And they count Kill Bill Volume 1 and Kill Bill Volume 2 as one movie, I think. So that's one of his nine films um yeah that's how i'd rank it god what would i put as fourth though maybe hateful eight i don't know hateful eight was pretty rough you know honestly comparing hateful eight to this movie i mean they're both like totally different movies but that's his most recent movie before this like the i don't know there was like so much growth in between them i feel like like this movie once upon a time in Hollywood, I was so shocked. I mean, the perfor- the acting was great. The performances were just like so on point. Uh, the casting was great. I was really shocked at Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. I mean, yeah, he's always good, but 
this was like another level of Leonardo DiCaprio I've never seen before. And quite honestly, I kind of hate Leonardo DiCaprio these days because, I mean, first of all, he's a hypocrite who tries to tell people to, you know, drive hybrid cars and, you know, not pollute the environment. But I think he flies private (laughs) and he's like always on yachts. Like he's all about yacht life. And he's, like, trying to tell people how to live and why. So, like, we reduce our carbon footprint so that you can go on yachts more. Like, sorry, fuck you. Um, And also, like, I am I think he's kind of a perv. And I hate to say it, but I mean, it's kind of true. His girlfriend is, like, half his age. He's 44 and his girlfriend is 22. And I know people, you know, on the internet are going to be like, well, it's legal. I mean, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right because, oh my God, like that age difference, I'm sure he's like very immature because they do say, they say, no, psychologists say that, you know, when someone gets famous, they kind of remain the age they were when they got famous mentally for the rest of their lives. And I don't know when I would say that Leonardo DiCaprio got famous. I guess it was with Titanic. But he was also on growing pains from the time he was a teenager. So he might have also like just had kind of like a big ego then and also was probably just like getting whatever he wanted. So think about that. Like since he was like probably like 13 or 14, you know, and starring on growing pains, he's probably getting anything he wants, you know, so he probably just gets that all the time. And one of the things he wants is a girl that's never older than 25 years old. (laughs) Because that's the oldest that Giselle was when they were dating. And um, they just get younger and younger. But um, listen, I think this was his best performance ever. And do I forgive Leonardo DiCaprio for being a creep based solely on this performance? Maybe. I'm (laughs) I'm not sure. Uh, Brad Pitt was good, too. I mean, I I really feel that Leo was better than Brad, but I don't know. But Brad was really good, too. I don't know. And he he's older now. I mean, he Brad Pitt is, like, 55, and his body in this movie was, like, so nice. Sorry if you're, like, a straight man listening to this and you're just listening to me, like, get all horny thinking about Brad Pitt's body. I have to take a moment of silence for Brad Pitt's body because I'm just thinking about it. I thought Brad Pitt's body peaked in Fight Club in 1999. So in 1999, he would have been about 35 or 36 years old. And I guess that's kind of, that's crazy though, because 35 or 36, see, that makes me think of like all of the immature fuckboys in LA who were like in their mid to late 30s. You know, just, like, doing fuckboy shit and, you know, Brad Pitt, 35 or 36, was, you know, starring in probably one of the biggest films of his career. (laughs) You know, in the best shape of his life. I I think he was married to Jennifer Aniston. It's still at that point. Man, like, that's where a 35-year-old man should be. They should be like Brad Pitt. They should have that life. But, you know, alas, they all cannot... It's crazy. Um, yeah, but I recommend the movie. I, w- I would say, honestly, well, I want to see it again this weekend, but I would probably, oh, I would rank it pretty high 
I rate it pretty high. I guess I'd say like it's an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. And I'm tired of hearing people's opinions on this movie on Facebook. Like, just go see the movie. And, uh, you know, it, it honestly, it was pretty woke. You know, people want to, like, put all this backlash on Quentin Tarantino saying, like, well, how many times did they say the N-word in this movie? They say it zero times. Um, I don't know. I, it was good. So that's my thought on that. Uh, do I have anything coming up? Well, I might have, like, a big comedy announcement coming soon. Hopefully. Maybe. Uh, maybe my career will continue. God God willing, right? Um, do I have any shows coming up? Not really. I'll let you know if I do, though. <laughs> that's how, like, that's how little I care to do this right now. I mean, I still go up, but, you know, I'm not, like, it's hard to get booked here sometimes. You know, there's too many comedians. And then, you know, people won't put you on a bar show. They're, they act like the bar show is, like, it's going to make or break your career when it's it's not. There's, like, probably four people in the audience at the bar show, and they're acting like they're, you know, holding the key to Oz or something. It's so ridiculous. They have the golden ticket to the chocolate factory, it, it, but it's a bar show. How funny would that be if, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or is it, it's not called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, is it? No, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Or did did they call it Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when Johnny Depp was in it? I don't, that movie was terrible. But anyway, like, think about that. Like, what if the golden ticket was a ticket to get booked on Hot Tub and only five people got it for the whole year? That's basically what it is. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm very funny, I swear. I should have been on Hot Tub by now. And, um... I guess that's it. What else am I going to talk about right now? It's it's so late. You have no idea. Oh, I've been watching Euphoria. I guess I'll talk about Euphoria on the next pod. Um... I'll have a guest next time. I I need to text somebody and have them come on. It might be a surprise, okay? But uh, I guess that's it, pretty much. What do I have coming up? I have the 208 Comedy Festival coming up September uh, 5th, 6th, and 7th in Boise, Idaho. Um, And then, I don't know. Am I going to do a roast party? I, I, I don't know what's going on. I still do comedy, I swear, Okay. Uh, support, support the arts, folks. Okay? Good night. Hold up, I am in the sky. Cause you make me feel